welcome to the Purpose and Principles podcast. I'm Max Brown with my guest today, Dr. Tojo Thatchinkari. And Tojo, I have to say, is not only a great professor, but I also can speak from experience as he was my professor while I was doing my grad school work at George Mason University. He's a professor and director of organizational development and knowledge management and runs the program at George Mason, as I mentioned, in Arlington, Virginia. The program he founded, uh, that he founded 25 years, has now produced a lot of different practitioners and consultants like myself entrepreneurs and scholars who are leaders in social justice and organizational transformation. Uh, He's written a number of different books, and he's on the board for the Journal of Applied Behavioral Sciences and the Journal for Organizational Change and Management, and the past program chair for research methods in the Academy of Management. Um, And you've published just a lot of great work, and I'm grateful that he would join us today, uh, specifically talking today about appreciative intelligence. And Tojo, thank you. Thank you for joining this show. Welcome. Thank you for um, uh, asking me to um, uh, join this uh, program. And I'm delighted to uh, talk with you and share uh, what I know about this subject. Well, you know, I, I know you studied appreciative inquiry at Case Western Reserve. Mm-hmm. And, and I learned appreciative inquiry from you. And, and I actually started to learn how to practice, how to ask better questions and, mm-hmm. and when you wrote the new work around appreciative intelligence, I thought, how great would it be to have a show about this topic? Could you just explain to people what is appreciative intelligence and why it's so important? Sure. Thank you. Uh, I will. Well, um, appreciative inquiry, since you mentioned that first, yeah. that is an approach to study organizations, uh, to look at what is working in an organization Think of it as a consulting methodology. Appreciative intelligence is more about the individual ability. Now, we have all heard about the concept of intelligence, and and most of us think about IQ. When when I say, you know, she's got a a great IQ or a uh, genius-level IQ, we think about a kind of intelligence, but that is only one type of intelligence. Uh, Howard Gardner in Harvard our university uh, came up with the concept of multiple intelligences. Uh, basically, he said that uh, the IQ is just one such intelligence, what is called general intelligence uh, or you know, analytical intelligence. But there are other types of intelligences, such as linguistic intelligence. You know, you can, uh, you're very good with words. You could have um, uh, bodily kinesthetic intelligence, which means that you are very good with movement. You know, you could be a good dancer, like my wife. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, in addition to being a, a you know corporate uh, you know person, she she spends all her extra time in dancing, and uh, that, because she has high uh, kinesthetic intelligence. However, I don't have that because I we try to uh, you know practice dancing together and went to Fredster and other places and I learned that I don't have that but she has it. In other words, people have different levels of this different intelligences. Mm-hmm. Another one we are all familiar with is emotional intelligence. You know, the self awareness and capacity to feel what others are feeling and so on. In that domain is appreciative intelligence. Uh, it is the capacity to reframe and see something positive and work with it and to bring the future uh, opportunity to the present. Mm-hmm. In, in other words, if emotional intelligence is about the heart, you know, the empathy and connection, 
appreciative intelligence is about the head, you know, the cognitive side, the capacity to reframe and see something different in reality, you know, in, in, in situations right in front of you. Therefore, um, it's important to distinguish between emotional intelligence uh, and appreciative intelligence. Uh, but they are both abilities. That's important thing. It's an ability. Now, all of us have some levels of it. There is no zero IQ. You know, I mean, we will say 140 is genius, uh, 100 is average. Appreciative intelligence is like that. We all have some levels of it, but some of us have a lot of it. Others have less, but we can all develop it. Just like the kinesthetic intelligence, if I practice dancing, probably I will become better at it. Mm. But I will not start with that natural ability because I don't have it in me you know, to begin with. So that, uh, so uh, to go back to the definition, um, in appreciative intelligence, the person looks at something in front of him or her, a challenge, a situation, an opportunity, and reads it differently because he or she is reframing it. Mm -hmm. And but reframing is not enough. You know, I mean, to give you a good, uh, simple example, uh, uh, we all know Starbucks. You know, mm -hmm. Starbucks. Um, um, you know, Howard Schultz, who found uh, the founder of Starbucks, and he was in Milan a long, uh, very many years ago, and he looked at the cafe experience and observed that. It's all about experience as opposed to McDonald's, where it's about efficiency. How quickly can we serve a customer? That is called efficiency paradigm. Howard Schultz thought that, what if I can create an experience paradigm? So that was a reframing. So he sees an opportunity there. He buys that coffee shop in Seattle. It's still there, the original Starbucks. Uh, and he created this experience where people could go sit there and take all the time they want. That was a reframing, and and but he acted on it. So he's, mm -hmm. he reframed, he saw an opportunity, but then he imagined a place where people can sit down, relax, and have an experience of connecting with one, one another you know, over a cup of coffee. That is the last step, you know, bringing that future to the present. So these are the three components of appreciative intelligence. Yeah, and I, I thank you. I For me... Um, I, ha I learned a lot when you <laughs> taught us about appreciative inquiry and understanding that what people do well and then uh -huh. helping them to improve on those things that they do well or increase the level of them or the occurrences of them <laughs> is helpful because it's basically focusing on our strengths and what we do well already. Let's leverage that. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And and with appreciative intelligence, you're saying now it's about a reframe. And, and it's interesting to me that some people... and it. Isn't it fascinating in our world today where we have a lot of tension in, in different yeah. opinions mm -hmm. that different people can see the same thing and mm -hmm. interpret it very, very differently? Yes. And what do you say to those who listen and they say, well, Tojo, that's nice, but, you, but you're not realistic. Those people are just Pollyanna. They're not seeing the reality of the situation. Mm -hmm. How do you tell mm -hmm. them or explain to them that uh, finding what's going well does not ignore yeah. the negative? It's not no, saying that it doesn't exist, right? No, not at all. I mean, it doesn't ignore the negative. In fact, if a child is crying, asking the child to shut up and smile is not appreciation. Uh, okay. The appreciative act there will be asking the child, what makes you cry? Mm -hmm. So affirming the pain uh, or the sadness of the child is the act of appreciation. Denying it and saying, oh, you know, don't cry. You should be happy. 
is absolutely not appreciation. That is a denial of uh, the feeling of the child. So the appreciation means, you know, acknowledging what is there. Mm -hmm. It doesn't have to be, you know, smiling or the positive. So if someone says that, well, we have a low morale issue in our my organization, you know, you're a consultant or somebody hires you and say, we got real this issue about absenteeism, low morale, and, uh, you know, people coming too late, alcoholism, whatnot. These are all and the negative stuff, you're not going to say, well, let's not talk about that. You're going to acknowledge that it exists. But you would also say, what would it look like if um, uh, if this were addressed? And what is that future that you would like to see uh, once this is, uh, uh, you know, adequately addressed? And then the person will say, well, I would like people to come to work on time. I would like loyalty, employee engagement, etc." So you will take them to that direction, but only after acknowledging what is there. Mm-hmm. You know that is why uh, there is a difference between just being happy, you know, uh, and asking people to be happy. I don't think uh, that should be a goal at all mm-hmm. for any of us. I think pain and uh, sadness and uh, you know um, all these are emotions, and we have to accept that uh, uh, and say that is what makes us human. Mm-hmm. Uh, therefore, um, it is not about just being positive. You know? It is about being mindful, acknowledging the present as is, you know, without judging. That is the appreciative act. So if you are in a museum, you look at a piece of art and you ask the question, what is it that I can see in this piece of you know, art? And so you are intentionally looking to see something in there. That is uh, an act of appreciation. But if someone is uh, talking about um, a misery in life and oppression and uh, discrimination, you got to hear that out without judgment. That is also appreciation. Mm-hmm. Therefore, I would say it's not all about just being positive. In fact, I'm a bit skeptical about this whole positivist movement that mm-hmm. it's all about you know being happy. I will not just say that is the that appreciative intelligence is not that. Mm-hmm. But it is about identifying the idea that you can get to a better state and identifying what those positive solutions might be. So, you know, what, like you said with Howard Schultz, he identified Mm -hmm. that this coffee shop experience, Mm -hmm. instead Mm -hmm. of saying, well, there's already too many coffee shops, he said, no, I can create a new experience. He created a new opportunity. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And coming back to the other experience, uh, Max, about the the negative, uh, think about um, uh, Muhammad Yunus, you know, who uh, received the Nobel Peace Prize in 2006. Muhammad Yunus is is from Bangladesh. Mm -hmm. Uh, He's the one who created the microcredit and Grameen Bank and all that. He came to the U.S., did his PhD in economics, but he went back to Bangladesh. And Bangladesh is a very poor country, Mm -hmm. one of the poorest in the world. And he was observing that, you know, the World Bank and IMF, et cetera, have been providing a lot of, you know, financial incentives uh, at a very large level, but still the poverty was continuing. Mm -hmm. But he also observed that, you know, if you trust, um, uh, if you challenge the paradigm of uh, economic development, which was based on collateral, you know, that you give money to people based on a collateral, he asked himself, what if there is no collateral but I just trust people, but give them just enough money to start a small business. Mm-hmm. So he worked with women in Bangladesh and gave them, you know, like $10, which will be something like, you know, 700 rupiah, the local currency, and they would buy a cow or a sewing machine with it. And when they returned it, he would give them 20 
And when they returned that, he would give them 40, but with no collateral. Mm. So the reframing there was, uh, you know, supporting people uh, with no collateral, loan without collateral. Mm -hmm. But it was a very negative situation there, poverty, exploitation. But he saw an opportunity there. And he said that I can make a difference here. And that is how this whole concept of microcredit uh, started, which then became very popular and you know spread to the rest of the world. That will be an example of seeing something when there is a lot of you know exploitation and poverty and pain. Because yes. those women and the folks who are suffering there. Yes. But he created something by reframing and seeing something positive. And the positive was entrepreneurship. He saw that women have resilience. They will struggle, but you have to trust them. And that's what he did. Yeah, I love that. And 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 you write that, you know, as we appreciate the positive in people, mm-hmm. we can mm-hmm. actually manifest that more likely rather than just always doing a gap analysis where everything is wrong. We right. Yes, we, we acknowledge that. But then we say, so what are the positives? What are the possibilities as opposed mm-hmm. to just addressing, hey, these are the negatives or the deficiencies, yeah. right? Right. Right, absolutely. In, in your book, you wrote, leaders with appreciative intelligence mm-hmm. are able to bring out the best in others because that is what they see. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I just love that statement. I mean, th- that they can bring out the best in others because that is what they see. In several of my past podcasts, mm-hmm. I've had guests mm-hmm. who say the best leaders that they know know mm-hmm. how to bring out the best in others. Absolutely, yes. Isn't that interesting, though, that those that have appreciative intelligence to be able to see that can bring them out even better? What does your research and experience tell you? Uh, It's very well said, uh, Max. Uh, That's one of the um, uh, core qualities of uh, being a leader, bringing out the best in people. So it starts with that belief that there is something good in people. You know, there is uh, something yet to be discovered in that person. And that is a a value statement about the belief in people. Um, uh, To give you another example, since you do a lot of work internationally and particularly in Asia, Mm -hmm. in New Delhi, um, um, where I did my master's, they created a metro system. You know, it's called Delhi Metro, New Delhi Metro. And I did my undergraduate and master's in uh, New Delhi. So I know that it is one of the largest metropolis in the world, you know, 16 million people. Um, very crowded, and nobody believed that you could have an underground metro, construct one, you know, um, and it happened. The man who did that, his name is Sridharan, he was 74 years old when he did it. He was an engineer. Everybody wrote him out. He said, there's really no way you're going to do this in Delhi. It is such a congested city. Roads are narrow, and you can't dig there, etc. But he believed in bringing out the best in the, the laborers who are migrant, poor people, engineers. There were corruption in the system, yet he appealed to the goodness in people. So there was something remarkable about him to bring out the best in people in, the, in, in a larger background of people saying, no, this is never going to work. People are corrupt. People have tried it before. India is all politics, you know, how much... Uh, you know, they will take 50% of the contract, in, you know, and divert it and all that. He didn't believe any of that. Though they were all true, yet he saw something good in people and he was able to bring it out. And he was not a management consultant. He was not a, you know, PST in management. He was an engineer. But his gift to us, understanding people from the, you know, daily wagers, laborers, you know, 
to the top of the you know hierarchy and the world bank and the you know japan who gave a, lo- a big loan he worked with all of those people and i wrote an article about it that's why i mentioned it that he had that gift of bringing out the best in people and he delivered the the completion of the new delhi metro in record time now now this is a jewel of new delhi you know right from the airport in delhi you can get on the metro from the airport and go right to the heart of the city and that's an amazing thing i didn't believe that remember the guy who wrote the book <laughs> didn't think he would do it but he did it so that's the sort of the capacity you know when i looked at exactly what he did every instance he had that ability to see ask and appeal to the goodness in people and once he did that they will rise to the occasion that was uh, you know beauty of that yeah i love that story thank you for sharing i mean i I'm smiling because it brings back many great memories of my experience in the program as well. Um, you know, when I, I was in one of the earlier cohorts, I was in like six, you know, year six out of a 25-year program. So it's been a while since you and I actually sat in a classroom together. But um, I, I, I remember the, the, the master's project, right? And in Appreciative yes. Inquiry, my project actually was with the Prince William Fire Department. Yeah, uh-huh, and uh-huh. my my colleagues and I, we went to the Prince William Fire Department. We spent days and weeks, you know, riding yeah, on the yeah. ambulance and talking to the firemen. Yeah. And of yeah. course, you know, some days our our interviews went were cut short because they all left on a fire truck. <laughs> but but we yeah. did find that the things that they did well happened when they trusted each other, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. and that's what we identified. So we said, what can we do to help identify those moments where trust? occurs and that and that you have each other's back and when you know you have each other's back they just did better work and mm-hmm. what you just described is this man had a vision for bringing out the best in those who can mm-hmm. get things done and when we have a vision for that we we create better outcomes absolutely yes i'm, I'm glad you remembered that max you know the prince william county fire department uh, kevin mcgee who yes. was uh, uh, you know he later became the chief and uh, and connecting that your uh, your work on leadership he became a champion of appreciative inquiry and appreciative intelligence so we have done another five follow up studies with him um and while he was a chief he just retired as the you know chief and we presented uh, at various conferences etc and basically that study you are started is today one of the longest longitudinal study on appreciative inquiry i mean so 15 years we I, have been i had no idea study. yeah it has turned out to be uh, um, one of the best examples and uh, until 2 years ago he would come to the first class on appreciative inquiry and talk about that experience about how he was also a student in the program at one point and and uh, how it started and how it continued to go and the stories of the firemen and how they became you never thought you know this macho guys wow. will have emotions and yeah absolutely it it gives me uh, and, and people were so surprised to hear those stories from the firemen yes um, it, uh, it it was yeah i amazing. mean i just love that i love that mm-hmm. i had no idea i mean even you sharing that with me today just brings a big smile to my face again because there was five of us on that project i remember yeah. meeting kevin the first time yeah, and yeah, and yeah. he kind of looked at us like are you guys crazy you know <laughs> but but when we came out with the feedback and we wrote the report he mm-hmm. saw the power and he saw yeah. the power of how to lead and how to manage his firemen yeah. in a different way yeah and he ran with it he was you know he he liked it so much what your group did 
he felt that this must be done country uh, sorry county wide wow. so he brought us there and later on and you know, we did project for the county the fire department the police department of prince william and then uh, he put me in touch with uh, fairfax county fire department one of the largest in the country the police department of fairfax county fairfax city alexandria and you won't believe this just this last semester dc washington dc fire department oh, wow. it was really hard to get washington dc we always thought it's very hard it's a big one we did the washington dc fire department it just got done this may and the fire chief was so happy with it and they started in person interview then covid happened then half of the project was done on you know zoom and these firemen firefighters you know they they learned because they know they are not the type who sit with zoom you know but they were so motivated that they learned how to do things in you know in in an online in methodology so we completed the project using zoom but we started in person and the, you know the chief said it was one of the best experience he had you know wow Oh, yeah, so I, you know, it, uh, I think you all started something really remarkable. <laughs> wow, I had, I had no idea. Yeah, I had yeah. no idea. Thank you for sharing that. I, um, boy, it just it brings it does it warms my heart knowing that that work continues and because it was a very powerful part of my experience, I have to say, um, mm-hmm. and it was a very powerful part because it was very meaningful to mm-hmm, go and mm-hmm. help an organization as important mm-hmm. as a fire service mm-hmm, to be mm-hmm. able to help them to be able to improve not only mm-hmm. in levels of trust, but in the levels mm-hmm. of engagement and the way that they treat each other mm-hmm. and the way mm-hmm. that they respond and do their work. Mm-hmm. Their pride mm-hmm. and their and the pride of workmanship was just so mm-hmm. real. Absolutely. I just yeah. loved it. I remember for me specifically, the word that they, they would describe over and over and over again, over 80 interviews, even, you mm-hmm. know, 20 years ago, you know, to mm-hmm. remember today, even that research that yeah. they always just would say when it's clicking, when it's yeah. clicking, you know? Yeah. yeah, that's the word they used. Very good, very good memory, yeah. And uh, and they said that clicking means something specific to them. It's yes. synchronicity. Everything fits together. Yes. And so, and then so today we clicked, you know, that yep. meant something. Yeah, I still use that example, uh, clicking. Yeah, it's... So uh, powerful. Yeah. And, and later on, uh, Kevin talked about the appreciative intelligence part. Uh, you know, they were, um, um, you know, after 9-11, um, the water rescue uh, was a big issue. And uh, the Washington, D.C. area, nobody really had um, expertise. So he said one of his uh, deputies reframed and he said, maybe earlier when they tried to create water rescue, you know, like a horse falls on a lake and how do you, you know, get a horse out of the lake? That's called water rescue. Uh, they said there's no money. So whenever they tried to create a water rescue unit, they would they will be told there will be no money. After the appreciative intelligence training, uh, one of them reframed and said maybe there are other ways of thinking about it. So they found that Navy had surplus equipment that they would donate if you write a small proposal for it. Mm-hmm. So this guy wrote a proposal and uh, got money, uh, got the unused equipment from the Navy. And they started a water rescue unit, which became a model for rest of the, you know, uh, Washington D.C. area. Now that is again an example of the appreciative intelligence reframing, seeing something positive, but then imagining that future that we have a water rescue unit, you know, in yes. the, you know, Washington D.C. metropolitan area, and it happened. Yes. And that is how you know this how concrete you know appreciative intelligence. Ah, it makes me so happy. And and so again, to reinforce, people need mm-hmm. to learn how to reframe. And what does it mean to reframe? 
to appreciate the positive of what of what could be out of something you've just noticed and reframed, and then to see how the future unfolds from the present. So what could it what could we imagine it to be? For me, the language I use is what is the ideal behavior I need in order for this result to occur? And so for me, I often talk about what you just described a moment ago, which is, hey, if I need people to show up because I'm having an absenteeism issue, what is the ideal behavior? What would it look like? How could I support that? And what would the what would the systems and the structures of the process help? How could they help to get that better behavior to occur? Yeah, it's very aligned. I mean, what you are doing is very similar. You don't even have to use the you know term of appreciative intelligence. Yeah. It's really what you do that matters, you yes. know, not so much the words. So you're doing very much what I would say in that frame of uh, reframing and uh, seeing the positive and talking about how the future will unfold. Well, we have a few minutes left here. Is there something that you would say um, people could learn? How would how would they go about learning about appreciative intelligence? and bringing it into their work. Obviously, we've talked a little bit about how it had a profound impact in at least one group, and now how you've shared it's expanded over and over and over again. But what are some of the things that you're finding from the research that can help people that are listening today who say, gosh, we we really would like to be able to solve some very hard problems in our work, and we don't know what to do? Well, um, um, I uh, I have... uh, created some kind of a, a program to um, what I call workshop, uh, mm-hmm. which are skill-based for developing appreciative intelligence using uh, techniques you are already familiar with, which you've you know, seen in the program, the ladder of inference, uh, asking the what questions. Uh, mindfulness is something I've found very important. When, when, you know, when people get trained in being mindful, they are able to look at the present without judging. And when you look at the present, the current reality without judgment, you see more opportunities in that, you know, the current reality. And just like the COVID situation right now, if you start with the judgment, oh, my heart so horrible and world is going to end kind of thing, that is a judgment. But if you look at it just the way what is happening right now, there are opportunities. And I say this because five years from now, we could look back and say, oh my God, that was an interesting time in history. I wish I had done that, but I was so caught up in my negative thinking about all these bad things happening. I didn't see that opportunity. And this is what people have said about the oil crisis and, you know, in 1973 and the financial 2008. And all this time, when we look back in history, we see that, oh, that was a great opportunity. So what I would tell your audience is that, you know, look at the reality right now, and and if you don't have to judge it, what is it that you are seeing, and are there? Can you see opportunities there that uh, that if you can work with that, it will change the situation in front of you in even an incremental way, mm-hmm. and that can only happen when you are in a state of you know mindfulness. That is yes. judging, looking at the present without judgment. And that's what I would say is the most important uh, quality of uh, you know being um, you know in that space of uh, appreciative intelligence, um, and um, asking the what questions. What would it look like instead of asking the why question? Yes. Why are it, why are we not doing it instead of what would it take for us to do that? So that um, reframing. And the last point is that uh, you know the concept of unconscious competence. That practice is what matters. Once you reframe. And you see an opportunity, and like an entrepreneur, you made it work. 
then you have to constantly remind yourself to reframe it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if you forget that habit, then you know you go back to the old habit. Mm-hmm. It's all about practice reframing. Mm-hmm. The more you reframe, uh, the more better. The better you become at that. I tell you, I think if more people in the world were willing to reframe, we would have a lot more peace. Very <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. true. And I wish if I, you know, of course, you know, this is a limited uh, conversation, but uh, in a, uh, there are many specific tools for appreciative intelligence that people can practice, you know, with uh, role plays and case studies and, you know, um, and um, other um, uh, experiential activities. And once they get a hang of the reframing piece, then they become good at that. Yeah. Yeah. It can be developed. It can be developed. So what we're saying here is we would encourage folks, go Mm -hmm. and look for what's happening and look for what the possibilities are. Right, exactly. So when you say to reframe, help Mm -hmm. people to say, hey, you've just made a judgment about something. Is it fair? And how Mm -hmm. is that limiting your perspective? Is that right? Right, exactly. And yeah. And 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 what about the other way to judge it? Go and say that again. Uh, so first ask yourself, okay, I'm, I'm seeing this as really bad, you know, people are losing jobs and yeah. things like that. Then ask, ask yourself, what are the other ways of seeing it? Am I spending more time with my family? Yes. Am I, when I take a walk, uh, am I looking around more and seeing nature better as opposed to, you know, talking on the phone while I am walking? Um, have I made more connections to people who I've never talked to before? Uh, uh, what are the other things I can do? Is there a skill that I've always wanted to develop that I can do now? Mm-hmm. Uh, what are the opportunities available in uh, in the you know network world? You know everything you can learn from YouTube these days. So yeah. what is it that I've always dreamt of learning that I can do now? Those are the kind of you know reframing. And then once it's all over, you come out and say. I'm a more skilled person than I started with. I've got a bunch of new skills that I can use now. I love it. I love it. And, and and you make such good points that, you know, before the COVID crisis, a lot of people said, I just don't have time. I don't have time to learn. I don't have time to do all these things. Yeah. And yeah. now during COVID, people are almost locked on Netflix. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but they forgot that they, they always wanted more time, but they've forgotten. Yeah. Yeah, you, there, this are, is the there time. are other ways of learning. Yeah, Netflix <laughs> is not only one, exactly. <laughs> There's other ways, right? There's other ways yeah. they could learn. Yeah. And, and, and so reframe the opportunity and mm-hmm. to look at the ways that things could be better. Uh, mm-hmm. For us, that's the thing I love to ask about companies is, what are you mm-hmm. doing well right now? What's working for you? And they identify some of those things that they're working. We look for the patterns in what those things are. And then when they're in the things that aren't working well, we can say, well, well, let's look at these gaps where where the things that are so positive are working. How can we just Mm -hmm. increase more of the positive? Mm -hmm. How can we encourage them more frequently to occur more often? Very good. It, it's almost like you're talking the appreciative intelligence language, Max. Yes, yes. well, I <laughs> so mean, you've been, yeah, it was you've deeply, been yeah. deeply impacted. I was yeah. deeply impacted by this program. And so to have you on the show today, it just makes me super happy. And to hear that the legacy of what's happened there uh, just makes me happy as well. So thank you so much for being on the show thank today. You. Thank you, Max. And I appreciate the opportunity and very happy to see graduates such as you are doing very meaningful work and that's what makes us proud you know seeing our graduates doing good work in society that's what i love seeing you know what you're doing and all around the world in your community i love seeing that i feel very good about 
our graduates. A wonderful job they are doing. It's Thank a, you. It's a beautiful cohort. I, I do appreciate it very much. And I appreciate the work you guys are doing to continue to help people understand that there are better ways to solve some of these very hard problems in the world. And while there is a lot of hard things to deal with, as we reframe it, as yeah. we appreciate the positive, and as we learn to see how the future unfolds for the present, we can actually create new opportunities and that's the invitation today for everyone who heard this today. I hope people will say, what are the opportunities based on our current circumstances that will help me to be better in the future? Very well said, Max. Well, that's a very good summary. Well, better thank you. you have said. Thank you. Well, I hope I hope I hope I can get a passing grade from you. thank you tojo for being on the show today to all of our listeners thank you for listening to another episode of the purpose and principles podcast with max brown and of course my guest today um my my former professor and i i would say colleague and friend tojo thatch and carrie thank you again for being on the show you're welcome thank you for the opportunity take care